Hey, greetings, uh, Encounter Church and uh, others who are watching online. Uh, we just welcome you to this uh, message. It's a Father's Day message, but it's uh, eternal in its content. And I uh, want to have a special shout out for dads today. Uh, you're celebrating at home. Special shout out for fathers. If you're a father, we give you a clap and shout, great on you, good on you. And uh, if you're a grandfather, then uh, we want to give a shout out to you as well. And uh, awesome. And uh, if you're a great grandfather, I guess there may be some of those out there. Well, we want to give a big, big shout out to you as well. And uh, God bless you. We pray today will be a great day uh, with family. And uh, for some, some people, today is a great day, great to uh, be able to gather as family and, and uh, honor uh, a father. Uh, but for others, uh, Father's Day brings up uh, painful memories. And it may be because they come from a home where the image of a father uh, of God as a father has not been represented, where the father has been absent, or maybe the father has been passive, or maybe the father's been abusive. And the impact emotionally and uh, financially and in terms of life experience has been extremely painful. So if you're one of those people today, then uh, we welcome you and uh, pray that the message today will help you to arise up, that God will touch you at the end of the message. And uh, so God bless you, everyone today. And uh, let's just open, I want to read uh, a, a scripture for you out of uh, Malachi chapter 4. And uh, many of you know the scripture, it's Malachi chapter 4, the very last book in the Old Testament, the last words that God spoke before the coming of the Jesus, about 400 years there. And this is what he said, Remember the laws of Moses my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with my statutes and judgments. So he's calling them to remember God's principles, God's words, God's instructions. And then he makes a promise. This is the last two verses in the Old Testament. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Now you notice just the context of what he's speaking about here. And then we're going to look at actually the message and start to develop that. The context is the end times. Notice what he says, that coming great and dreadful day of the Lord. So he's speaking of the end times at the coming of Jesus Christ, that the great upheaval and turmoil and tribulation there'll be in the earth at that time. Again, he uses the term, uh, he says, uh, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So God has, as he's speaking through the prophet, he has in mind the very end times, the end of this age and the transition from this age into the coming age of the millennial kingdom. And uh, as he's talking about that period of time at the end of the age, he indicates that there are serious problems in family at that time. Notice what he says. Uh, he says, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and coming dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Notice then there's going to be problems in families. There will be problems with fathers. There's going to be problems with children. What are the problems that will be? There'll be a breakdown and hearts will be embittered and families will become divided. Notice there he says uh, growing problems. Uh, concerning, first of all, fathers. He starts with fathers because fathers are held responsible for the marriage, for the family, 
for the leadership of the family. God puts a great responsibility on men, a call on men to lead in their marriage, to lead in their family, and uh, to establish direction and standards and so on. And so the first thing that he tells us there, there will be clearly fathers who have neglected their responsibilities. They have failed to represent uh, God as a heavenly father. So parents stand together as the first authority figures in a child's life. They are called to represent the nature of God uh, as a person who uh, leads and shapes and forms identity, also who nurtures and cares. So obviously in this passage it tells us here that there will be a, in the end times a desperate need for a move of God to touch the heart of fathers. And he's uh, uh, talking here about fathers who are absent. When a father is absent from the family, uh, he's away for extended periods of time, or he's abandoned the family or divorced the mother, then there's a, a terrible pain and ache and, and, and a lack in the, in the family. Uh, it, some, some fathers are present, but they're very passive. They're not engaged. They're shut down spiritually, emotionally. They have given up leadership of the family, given up leadership in the marriage, and they're now let the weight fall upon their wife in a very unfair way and rob the family of the leadership God intended them to have. And uh, there'll be some fathers uh, in, the, in that end times so that'll be very abusive. We only have to look around the community now and we see the number of homes where there's domestic violence. And of course, it's pretty well usually the, the man who's responsible for that violence. If you look at any of the research on, uh, on children and the impact of a father upon a child's safety and progress in life, you'll be amazed at the connection between the role of the father, his presence, his absence, and the kind of fathering he gave, and then the success or lack of success of the children. When you look in the prisons, you find the majority of angry young men that are in prisons, it is the absence of a father or an abusive father was a major impact in uh, sending their life off the rails. Uh, you look at uh, educational success, you look at general health, all of these, the absence of a father uh, has a huge impact on these things. You can do some of the research for yourself. So when fathers are absent, when fathers are abusive, when there's a breakdown of the role of a father in a family, then it wounds the heart of a child because God has given men a particular function in the family environment. He's given them the function of a father. And so we're going to look at the uh, key purposes of a father a little later in the message. So when a father fails to fulfill that role, there's a quite a deep impact on the children. They feel uh, as though they have been abandoned by their father, or they may be quite wounded by their father's words or negativity. Uh, they can, uh, it, it affects them very, very deeply. And children then react. Some react by becoming very passive by withdrawing, by finding an escape from the pain of tension and conflict in the family, and others become very angry and reactionary. So the Bible talks in the last days that children will be, uh, there'll be a pattern among children, a pattern in families where children are ungrateful, are disrespectful, are critical, and they magnify the faults of parents rather than doing what God says, which is to honor our parents. And he attaches a promise to that we'll look at a little later. So often, children who've got deep pain in their heart, then their lives uh, produce, uh, there's, there's, there's a reaction in their lives that carries on and affects even the next generation. Someone somewhere has to stop that cycle. Someone somewhere has to step in and stand up 
and let the power of God change them, remove the ungodly legacy, and choose to build a godly legacy. And that's what we want to talk a little bit about that today. So the first thing we see then in the end times in that passage, it tell, it's very clear from the need for fathers to have their hearts changed and children to have their hearts changed, it's very clear that the state of their hearts is such that there's a major breakdown in families. And of course, we see that as we look at the statistics across our nation. So notice there, it then says, I will send Elijah the prophet. Why Elijah? There were many prophets in the Bible. Why does he single out Elijah? And well, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, Elijah lived in the country. Everyone knew the prophet Elijah. Historically, he's very famous. But Elijah lived in a season of history in Israel when Jezebel had, uh, was married to Ahab the king, or Ahab, Ahab the king had chosen to marry Jezebel, the daughter of, a, uh, uh, of the high priest of Baal and Ashtoreth. And so when he did that, he uh, did it because he hoped to get some gain politically, gain economically, but instead he uh, broke the laws of God and, and by his actions, he then opened the doorway for a major problem in the nation. So the spirit of Jezebel or the spirit that was uh, on the gods that she worshipped then was unleashed through the leadership. You see again, a very simple reminder that leadership is very important. God held Ahab responsible for the destruction in the nation, even if Jezebel had initiated it or been behind making it happen. It's a great passage. It's a great few chapters to study from 1 Kings 16 and on. Have a look at it. But in that season of history, there was a major breakdown. The, uh, there was a loss of faith in God. There was a turning to false gods. Uh, there was immorality. There was sexual perversion. There was all kinds of havoc played in the, in the nation. The prophetic voice was shut down. The prophets were persecuted. And uh, the nation was in great disrespect, a great place of poverty. And God raised up a prophet called Elijah. So, one of the things we can see then is not only is there going to be breakdown in family, clearly the spirit of Jezebel will be a dominant uh, spiritual power that will influence the nations and the culture. I will send Elijah the prophet. So when we think about fatherhood, God reveals himself as a father. And fatherhood is a part of who God is. He's the ultimate express. The ultimate expression of fatherhood is God himself. So this, uh, this uh, spirit of Jezebel attacks Fatherhood attacks men, attacks God's governance, God's kingdom order. And so within all of creation, we see that there's an order. There's an order in the natural world. There's an order in relationships that God has established. God has set the husband to be the head of the wife and therefore with his wife to be the head of the household. So there is a role of governance and leadership God entrusts to men. He gives that to men to fulfill. When a man fails to fulfill it, then there's going to be massive consequences. So uh, we find that we look in the Bible that wherever the spirit of Jezebel operated, it destroyed manhood. It attacked manhood. It attacked the role of men. It attacked the function of men. It attacked the priesthood. It attacked uh, men's role in prayer and the leadership in their home. Uh, when we look in, uh, in 2 Kings 9 and verse 32, 2 Kings 9 and verse 32, Jehu is raised up by God to destroy Jezebel. And as he comes in, he says, he looked up at the window where Jezebel was and he said, who is on my side? Who? And there were two or three eunuchs looked out at him. In other words, what it's saying is that Jezebel surrounded herself with eunuchs. 
These are men, or they were formerly men, but now they had been emasculated and feminized. They no longer functioned as life givers. They were no longer capable of re reproducing. They were passive and they were under her control and they served her will and served her purposes. So these were men who had lost their identity and lost their function as men. It's tragic. So you notice there then that the spirit of Jezebel, when it attacks, it will attack men, it will attack fatherhood, it will attack everything that characterizes a godly family. No wonder, he says, I will raise up Elijah the prophet. He raised up Elijah to address this issue, to confront the prophets of Baal and restore prayer, true worship and the priesthood back into the nation. So Elijah was raised up to confront that spirit in his hour. So it's very clear now we see two things, that in the end times, there will be a loss of understanding of fatherhood and a breakdown as a result in, uh, in the roles of fa uh, men as fathers and husbands. There will be, a, con there'll be a, a breakdown in families and as a result an impact right through the culture, single parent families, men and women in jail, all kinds of problems that will spring out from that. Secondly, we see that the spirit of Jezebel will be influential. It will be influential through media. It will be influential through education, through the political system. It will be seeking to undermine Christian foundations, the kingdom foundations for uh, marriage and for family and uh, to destroy what God has intended to bring blessing. Uh, we notice there that uh, when Jesus came, he spoke then of John the Baptist as being the Elijah that was to come. Let's read that. Uh, in Matthew 17, 11, Jesus answered to them and said, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. So notice the role of uh, Elijah. He's speaking of a coming move of the spirit he said it will be a restoration move so he's he's prophesying that there's a restoration move coming and then he says but i say to you elijah has come already now isn't that interesting they all knew the last uh, words of uh, of the old testament they're very familiar with them they knew that god would send elijah the prophet and there would be a massive move of the spirit of god but jesus is now saying well elijah's come he's already come and you didn't recognize him this is what he said in Matthew 17, verse 12. I say to you, Elijah's come already, but they didn't know him, and they did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is about to suffer at their hands. So when John the Baptist came, he's speaking about John the Baptist. In verse 13, the disciples understood. He spoke to them of John the Baptist. So what Jesus is saying is, you all understand that the spirit that Elijah will come. And I'm telling you, John the Baptist was the Elijah. He came in the same spirit and the same anointing as Elijah came. He came with the same function and purpose. What was that function and purpose? Well, you can see it in the message of John. John's message, which was also the message of Jesus, is repent, turn away from things that fail and are wrong out of divine order for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The rule of God is at hand. God is uh, poised and imminent and ready to invade you with blessings that come from his heavenly kingdom. But the condition for uh, accessing that is repentance. So John had a message of repentance and uh, they stood and rose up against him and killed him. And now Jesus is saying they're about to do the same to me. And uh, so, but notice there that the repentance is foundational for accessing kingdom blessing. So now we have two things in the Old Testament. He's talking about 
fathers having their hearts turned and children having their hearts turned, otherwise a curse will come. And now he's talking about the kingdom, and it's all the same thing. The kingdom of God means the rule of God. It means God's order, God's will being carried out. Now, that means that the way God has designed life to function and relationships to function is being carried out. His kingdom has come. His order has come, and with it, his power and his blessing. That was the message of John. So we see then that reaction and resistance to fatherhood will be reaction and resistance to the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Reaction and resistance to fatherhood and God's principles of fatherhood are actually the same as resisting the kingdom and the blessing and the flow of God into your life. And so all who resist fatherhood actually resist the one who designed fatherhood. They resist authority and they resist God's order. They're literally cutting themselves off from God's blessing and divine favor. And there are consequences for that. So God in the end times is wanting to establish and bring and manifest his kingdom and his kingdom, uh, he is the king of that kingdom and that kingdom is based on his fatherhood. Fatherhood is the ultimate expression of what God is like. And uh, so uh, we see then that Jesus links together John with his, uh, the Old Testament, with the ministry of uh, restoring the hearts of fathers and children, repairing the damage done, healing the generations. And then he puts that with, that's what the kingdom looks like. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, one aspect of that is that there be a healing of shattered families. There'll be a healing of men who have father wounds. It'll be healing of children who have father wounds. It'll be a healing and a restoring of the proper dynamic of fathers operating as God intended them to operate. And uh, so it's great we can celebrate Father's Day today. So that brings us to the next thing now. And the next thing we need to see is then that uh, we remember the last part of that Malachi 4 verse 6 it said he said I'll do this I will send Elijah the prophet to bring restoration to bring a turning of the hearts uh, that's what repentance is a turning of the heart I'm going to do that and he said otherwise lest I come and smite the earth with a curse so what is he saying smiting the earth with a curse well he's not talking about coming and hitting the earth with a curse what he's saying is that in in creation God has built in to the whole process of creation laws and so when we look at the way God has designed relationships to function, there is blessing when we're aligned with what God uh, has purposed. And uh, if we don't align, if we reject God's order, God's way of doing things, then the consequences uh, come upon us. So when we read through the Bible, we find that there are a number of curses come upon people who despise their father, despise their mother, who violate God's uh, uh, principle in God's order that we are to honor our father and to place honor on our mother as our life source. Now, I know for some of you, perhaps you think about that and you think of your father and your mother and there's a lot of pain in your heart. Well, we'll get to that shortly. We, we need to lift our eyes up from our experience and our pain and we need to look at what God's principles are and align ourselves with heaven so heaven can come to earth. So when we talk about curse, what do we mean by curse? A curse is literally a cycle, it's a cycle of failure and defeat and oppression that's empowered by demons. It's a cycle. In other words, it keeps happening. 
and uh, it, it causes oppression, it causes defeat, it causes failure. So you work hard, you're struggling to get ahead, you're trying to do the very best you can, and yet there's this defeat and failure, and behind it are demonic spirits. Now you don't have to look around many families to see that very thing happening. You see parents trying to do the very best they can for their children, they've worked hard and, and done what they can, and yet these problems seem to keep coming up that look, when you look into them, as though they're not just one generational, they're multi-generational. Something in the background is working, creating a, a, a force or a headwind against their success. So uh, there are a number, if you have a look in the Bible and go through the Old Testament through to the New, you'll find a number of areas related to this issue of honoring your father, honoring your mother. Since it's Father's Day, we're just gonna stick with honoring your father. And uh, so when you look in the Bible, we find a number of references to how important it is to place honor on our father, not because of whether they're a good father or a bad father, but we're to do it because we're to honor the role the rank that God has given them in our life. We'll look at what that is in a moment. So when we look through the Bible, we find a number of consequences of failing to honor our parents or failing to honor our father and mother. So let me give you a few of them. I'll, I'll just read a few scriptures and uh, then I'll just give you what it means or how that actually how it works. Because sometimes you can read the scripture and, and it's just a scripture and you don't kind of think, how does that work out in life? Now let me read something that Jesus said and, uh, give, and I'll give you some consequences, negative consequences or curses, if you like, that fall on those who dishonor their father. In Matthew 15, verse 3, Jesus answered them and said, Why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? And he says, For God commanded. So Jesus is reinforcing this command. Honor your father and mother, and he that curses father or mother, let him be put to death. Well, that's pretty serious talk, isn't it, eh? Let me read that again. God commanded, honor your father and mother, and he that curses his father and mother, let him be put to death. Now, what, what he's saying is that uh, honor of our source, or honor of a father, is very, uh, very near to the heart of God. And so he puts blessing when we do it, and he says there's consequences when we don't do it. Notice then, this is a command of God. Why is Jesus raising this? He's raising it because the religious leaders of their day had tradition that if something that you had that you're going to give to your parents and you decided to give it to God instead, that, that would God accept that? And he's saying this is a tradition. This is a way of operating that violates God's clear command that you are responsible to honor your father and to honor your mother. And he says there's a consequence of that. Now you notice there, let him be put to death. Well, I don't think there's any records in the Bible of anyone being put to death, but they do list disrespect, dishonor of parents as being a serious sin, a serious violation of God's kingdom principles worthy of a person being put to death. How about that? Now, what does that look like for us? Well, when we talk about being put to death, death's got many ways you could look at it. You could think of it as someone being stoned to death. But uh, it may also refer to death. When we are talk about death, we're talking about being separated. We're talking about emotional disconnection. We're talking about lack of feeling. So now if we just looked at it again, that when people dishonor their parents, one of the consequences, or their father particularly, they live life as an emotional and spiritual orphan. An orphan is someone without a father. 
It's a person cut off from his father. His father has died and there's a separation from his father and he now becomes exposed and vulnerable. He has no one to protect him, no one to provide for him, no one to be the strength and guide in the family. And so he's left orphaned and insecure. So uh, the, the first thing is that people live their life then like an emotional and spiritual orphan. No one to impart into them the things that they need for success in life. The next thing we see in Proverbs 20 verse 20, whoever curses his father and mother, his lamp will be put into deep darkness. What does it mean to curse? Curse can also mean to speak negative words, critical words, destructive words, to speak ill of. I hear many people do that, speaking ill of a father or ill of their mother. So that is cursing them rather than blessing them, appreciating them, being thankful to them. They complain and criticize. That is cursing them, speaking evil about them and judging them. Now notice what says Proverbs 20, 20. Whoever curses his father or mother speaks evil about them and of them. His lamp, or even to them, his lamp will be put in deep darkness. Now what does it mean by that? The lamp. When we talk about the lamp, the Bible says the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. So the lamp, the spirit, the inner life, it says, will be put into deep darkness. What does that mean? It means you can't see clearly. In darkness, you can't see anything. You stumble, you trip over things. You, you actually can't find your way when there's a deep darkness. You are lost. So anyone who's been out in the, in the bush and... Uh, and uh, the clouds have come over and uh, there's now no sky, nothing to guide you. It's just deep darkness. You realize quickly how it's impossible to find your direction unless you have something that gives you a course. And so when people have father issues, when people have unresolved conflicts with their father and are speaking negatively and critically, then they will struggle with a lack of direction. They'll struggle with insecurity. They'll struggle with fear. And when people are insecure and fearful, they try to control everyone around them because of the deep insecurity that they feel inside. So they may look big and strong on the outside, but on the inside, insecure, weak, struggling. And uh, when people are like that, they tend to then build their whole life and build their stability uh, around things that are unstable. The opinions of people, what people think, public opinion, uh, around possessions, what I own, around my business, around my finances, uh, around uh, success, around money, around being recognized by people. But all of those are unstable. They can be shaken like that. So they can't see that those things aren't valuable. Those things won't get you the peace you're looking for in your heart. A third thing that happens is demonic oppression, demonic oppression. So when people curse their parents or curse their father, they then become uncovered. And uh, then they become uncovered spiritually. They've resisted and rebelled against their father. Uh, there's been a resistance in their heart and an anger expressed towards him. And the consequences, they're then exposed to demonic oppression. In Proverbs 30 and verse 17, uh, the eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out, the young eagles will eat it. So a valley usually speaks of a low place where battles are conflict support. The ravens of the valley speak of demonic spirits. So when people uh, are angry, when they are uh, disrespectful, dishonoring, uh, uh, speaking evil against the father, the consequences, they are uncovered spiritually. Demonic spirits can come and torment them with fear and security, rejection, abandonment, and uh, all kinds of bitterness and, and uh, addictions. Uh, and then a fourth uh, consequence 
is cycles of failure in relationships. Cycles of failure in relationships. Look what the scripture here says. In Ephesians 6.2, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Now notice there that God attaches to honoring your parents, honoring your source. He attaches to it a promise. And here's the promise. The promise is that life will go well for you. Your relationships, your world, your life will flow. There'll be something positive, something of the blessing of God in your relationships and in your life, that, uh, that, and, uh, and you'll live long. And uh, so clearly the opposite is also true, that if we dishonor our father and our mother, if we dishonor our father particularly, then life will not go well. There'll be problems happen in your life and you can't see, remember? You won't be able to see what is the cause of them. You will stumble and keep repeating the same mistakes and to your grief and sorrow, see the very things you said you'd never be like, now you're becoming like, and they're being repeated in your own family. So some of the consequences relationally, when there's a cursing of father and a cursing, uh, 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 or, or a dishonor of father, or bitterness against the father because of abuse and failure or whatever, frequently it affects identity. Uh, the person's identity is insecure, and often there's gender confusion comes because of that. Uh, usually there's a pattern in their life of conflict with authority figures. Uh, thirdly, there's uh, usually independence against any form of correction or any form of boundaries being set because there's been no uh, response to their father's boundaries. Uh, they're usually people like that, we find them unable to receive correction because it's so fragile and insecure. If you try to correct them in any way to help them grow in their character, they treat it as being an attack on them because their identity is attached to something external. It's not been established by a father. And we're seeing a lot of that today, a generation rising up that are without fathers, without honor of fathers. And of course, they're very fragile on the inside, get offended very easily and uh, can't take correction, can't be developed in their character and therefore can't fulfill their purpose. Uh, usually when uh, people have these issues with a the father then, uh, they project the bitterness against the father into their marriage. It comes and affects their wife. Uh, it projects into their family against their own children. And as a result, they reinforce family uh, dysfunction, family generational iniquity is reinforced. And uh, finally, they begin to reap a reaction from their own children to them in the same way they reacted to their own parents. You see this very much in, uh, in, in some families, families attached to gangs perhaps, and uh, you see there the cycle of dysfunction keeps repeating generation after generation. So then when we talk about father, what do we, what do we mean? What is it referring to? So let's have a look at some of the key purposes of a father and then just talk just in a couple of practical ways how we can just turn into the Lord for help around this issue if it's still a burden in our life. So firstly, father is a source. The word father in the Bible, the word ab in the Old Testament, abba in the New Testament, it's the word meaning a source, originator, producer. So a father is a source, he's, a, he's the place of origin. So God, the father, heavenly father, is the source of all things ultimately. And, uh, but in the Old Testament, when uh, or through the Bible culture, they always wanted to know who someone's father was. Where do you come from? Who is your source? What is your father? People were even named after their father, and they carried the father's identity. So uh, uh, people were identified by where their father came. That's why the Bible has so much uh, two chapters involving 
establishing the genealogy of Jesus, where he came from, where he originated from. So fathers, uh, uh, people were identified by their father and people uh, were raised to, uh, to uh, be fathers and to represent what God is like. Secondly, a father establishes his children. One of the key functions of a father is not just protection and provision, but it's actually to invest into children to establish them. Let me read your scripture. Deuteronomy 32, 6. Do you thus deal with the Lord, foolish and unwise people? Is he, now talking about God, is he not your father who bought you, paid a price for you? Has he not made you and established you? So notice that word established. A father establishes his children. That word established, what does it mean? In the Old Testament means to make secure. A father makes children secure. To make stable. A father aids stability. To make ready. To order. In the New Testament means to cause someone to stand or to stand firm. To uphold their authority. To cause someone to have an internal force inside them. Wow, how about that? A father has an important role in establishing strength, inner strength in the life of their children to stand up to and face the challenges of life. How about that? Wow. So we notice there that uh, a father then has a God-given role to establish identity of a child and to establish them in who they are and what they're called to do. So a father empowers their sons and daughters first to discover who am I and uh, secondly, what are my purpose? What am I called to do? So we find in the look at the life of Jesus, we find Jesus was established by his father. Luke chapter 3 and 21 and 22, when Jesus went down into the waters of baptism, his father spoke over his life. His father released his anointing and empowered him. So we, we find Jesus, uh, the, the, Jesus was empowered by his uh, heavenly father. Uh, he, he needed to be established. He needed to be confirmed. He needed to be validated by his father before he began his ministry representing his father. And so the father confirmed his identity. You are my beloved son. The father uh, confirmed his, his, his value. I love you. You're my beloved, dearly loved son. Well, what powerful words of blessing from a father. Uh, he, he noticed that he, he confirmed his pleasure with him. He said, I'm pleased with you. I've watched everything you've done. You've brought me great pleasure. And uh, so these are important statements that he made. And then the father validated his ministry. He released the anointing of the Holy Spirit to empower him into his calling. And then we find the father giving him direction. It says he was led by the Spirit. And so all Jesus' ministry, he was guided and led and directed by his father's ever-present influence. Wow, there's a whole message just in that. But you see the importance of a father establishing a son. A father establishes their sons and daughters. And secondly, a father establishes identity. The identity is who am I? Identity is who I am in God and who God is in me. My identity is who I am. And it's really quite important to be established in identity. That's the role of a father. If you look back into the Garden of Eden to Adam, Adam was, uh, the Lord brought animals to Adam and Adam was called to name them. To name them means to give identity to them. That's a dog, that's a cat, that's an elephant. So notice how he was given the role uh, as the father within the earth, the first father, to bring identity to creation. And uh, so it's uh, quite an important role of a man in the household is to give identity, impart identity to sons and daughters. You notice that God says he's the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Uh, he, he talks and uses fatherhood as a way of describing identity. Uh, we see with Jesus in John 13, uh, Jesus' identity was firmly established. Notice what it says here. He said, knowing the Father had given anything into his hands, verse 3 of John 13, he come from God, he's going to God, he rose, and then he laid off his clothes, he put on a, a servant's garment, and he began to wash the feet of the disciples. Notice he's not hung up on his position, he's not hung up on his role, not hung up on anything. He became a servant. Why could he become a servant? Because he knew where he came from. He knew who he was. He knew where he was going. And he knew his purpose. He was able to then fully serve without worrying what people thought of him. Because identity was established firmly in his father's voice to him. You notice even in Jesus' first temptation in the wilderness, the first attack was on his identity. If you are the son of God, prove it. Do something. And that pressure is on people today. And this is one of the things fathers are meant to do. Help sons and daughters know, hey, this is who I am. I belong here. This is my father. I'm your son. And so we're called to come into a relationship with God. I know who I am. God is my father. I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm a child of the living God. I belong to God. I came from God. I go to be with God. I'm called to represent my father here on the earth. See, that's the message of sonship. And so a father establishes then identity. A father establishes purpose and calling. And so uh, this is something that a lot of fathers don't understand, is the importance of these things. In Genesis 49 verse 1, Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I might tell you what happens to you in the last days. Wow. Now here, here we notice he's the head of the house and he's come to the end of his life and now he's going to speak prophetically words that will shape, define the destiny of his sons. Wow, it's an amazing thing. So we see in Jacob there, Jacob speaking words that defined the destiny. How powerful are the words of a father to speak into your sons and daughters, I believe in you, I see this in you, I'm here for you, I am with you, I'm behind you, I'm there to stand with you. These are the words Jesus received. And here's the words that Jacob spoke. He spoke words that carried power. Notice he said, I'll tell you what will happen to you in the last days. So he's speaking about their future. He's speaking about their destiny. What a powerful thing for a father to do that. A father can help identify the gifts and strength what God has put into their children and prophesy and speak them over their children. It gives them a powerful sense of destiny. There's something about a father's words that carry force and power. And uh, if the father withholds words, if your father withheld words from you, words of affirmation, words of love, words of identity, words of pleasure in who you are, uh, words of uh, encouragement, then there's a deep, usually a deep uh, lack. It's like, the, it's like the heart or the soul is like, it's like ground that has no water. It's like a desert inside longing for affirmation from somewhere. And if we don't find it from an actual father and from a heavenly father, we will look for the watering of our soul in many other different places. And so very, very important. So we see also, for example, in the life of Gideon, when Gideon had an encounter, the angel of the Lord carrying the father's message to him. How powerful is this? Go and have a look at it in Judges chapter 6, verse 12. And he says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him saying, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Here's Gideon. He's got fear in his heart and God speaks to him and God speaks word. You are a mighty man of valor. That's identity talk. 
How, how we need our Father to talk into us words of identity. You are a mighty man of valor. You can do it. You've got what it takes. And then he says, I am with you. I am with you. So the Father speaks to him and, and confirms his identity. The Father speaks to him and gives him a calling and a mission in his life. And then the Father says, I'll back you up. I'm with you in it. What a great thing to go out into life and know your Father says, listen, I'm here. I'm backing you up. I'm with you in all that you do. So, of course, one of the things that the Bible requires of us is that we respond by honoring our Father. And that's really today is about honoring our Father in Malachi 1 and 6. Uh, if a, a son honors his father and a servant his master, God is saying, if I'm your father, where is my honor? So clearly honor is a principle right through the Bible. Honor your father because there's blessings. Jesus reaffirmed it in Matthew 15, 4. God commanded, God commanded. It's not a suggestion. Honor your father and your mother. So Je Jesus reinforces we should honor the sources in our life. And so honor means to place value on. Honor means uh, to give a gift of something. It's nothing to do with whether someone deserves it. It's actually an issue of a gift of value, some kind of value that you place. There are lots of ways you could honor your father. If you, I'll throw a few. You could pray for them regularly. How about praying for your dad regularly if he's still alive? How about speaking words of gratitude? If he's not alive, you could write out a letter and just uh, write out the things that you want to say thank you for that you never said thank you for. Words of appreciation for what they have said, what they have done, for just their journey, their life, their, their, their consistent, whatever they have done. Uh, you could uh, express honor in terms of personal gifts, in terms of care and attention. You can express honor by asking for wisdom, asking for advice in important things. Uh, you can uh, uh, express honor by receiving correction and advice from them. You can uh, honor them by holding or discover and hold what are the core values that got you where you have and discover what things God put into their life that you should embrace and identi identify, embrace and carry on. And of course, to honor them in public. So what about those who are struggling because perhaps you haven't got a great background. Your father has not functioned as God intended him. And in fact, only God himself can meet all our needs. So Jesus came that you could be introduced to God and find him as your father, be born into his family. But God also wants to heal the brokenness in your life. So let me just give you an example in Psalm 2710. Uh, David, King David said, when my father and mother abandoned me, so clearly he was abandoned uh, because of the pressure that came on him, God will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord. So you notice then that even though he had faced conflicts and troubles and difficulties and rejection by parents, he turned to the Lord and discovered that God could take care of him and he become teachable, not rebellious. Teach me. Be a father to me and teach me how to do life. You notice if you read the book of Proverbs, how Solomon, his son, carries on the instructions he received from his father. Let me ask you this question. How did Solomon know what to ask God for when God said, ask whatever you want, I'll give it to you. He knew exactly what to ask for. How did he know? He listened to his father. His father had invested time into him. His father had invested wisdom into him. His father had poured into his heart words of encouragement and showed him what to ask for, and he asked for exactly the right thing, wisdom and an understanding heart. So it's important then that if we've got issues in our background that we do these things. Number one, we need to resolve father wounds. It is a heart issue. We saw that in Malachi. It's a turning of the heart. There's repentance needed. 
is a turning of the heart is needed that God is able to do. So it's important to resolve them. It might be a natural father. It may be some authority figure in your life, some male figure in your life, someone that's deeply, you trusted them and uh, thought you had a certain relationship and then they let you down and you're very deeply wounded. Deal with it. Resolve it. Identify what it is, the offense, the disappointment, uh, whatever is the grief, and bring it to the Lord. Bring it to the light. Bring it to the cross. Forgive and bless. Let it go. Don't stay chained and imprisoned by dishonor. They've acted dishonorably, but don't you carry it in your heart and then act dishonorably to them and bring cursing on your life. You're responsible for your decisions and your choices. Perhaps there's some of you today need to deal with an issue in your heart regarding a father or an authority figure. See, So it's important to resolve that. Come to the Lord with the pain and, and let it go to him. Secondly, choose to honor. Choose to honor. Honor. Honor is a gift. It's a choice. You choose to honor and bless your father. Choose to appreciate your father. You know, there are spiritual fathers, there are natural fathers, and there's a heavenly father. And whoever is a father in our life, honor them and bless them and appreciate them. Choose to do it. It's a gift. Appreciate them. Express gratitude. Show kindness. Show honor. Show that you value what they have invested in you. You're no perfect man. Only our God in heaven is perfect. Jesus Christ, who came to represent him, is perfect. But we can draw from people and honor what they do give to us. And then thirdly, pursue revelation. Pursue revelation of fatherhood and sonship. You need to be proactive. Don't complain what you didn't have. Don't complain what you didn't have. That's not going to get you anywhere. Don't do that. Rather, study what the Bible says about fatherhood. Start to search in the Bible. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you about God. He's, the Holy Spirit's called the Spirit Adoption, who brings us into sonship. It's the Holy Spirit reveals we're the children of God. It's the Holy Spirit gives access to our Father. Make the Holy Spirit your friend and seek to come near and understand revelation concerning fatherhood and then sonship responsibilities. What is your responsibility? And then seek out Father roles. See, there's always someone around that can model for you, not perfectly, but they can model some aspects of Father. So seek out people that can help model that for you so you can learn from them. You may not get it from uh, one person, but you can draw from here, draw from there, draw from somewhere else, draw from reading, draw from listening to messages and so on. But don't just be a passive person. Don't be a victim because of where you've come from. Make a decision. I will bring resolution to father wounds. I will choose to honor. I will honor my natural father. I'll honor those who have fathered me and helped me in life and ministry. And I'll give honor to God as my heavenly father. And then I'll pursue. I'll pursue revelation. I want to understand about fatherhood. I want to understand about the responsibilities of sonship. And I want to become a repairer and a rebuilder. I want to build and restore what has been in our family history and build a better, different future for the next generation. Man, what a, what a call. If you're a man, you have a call to be a father, to be a, a man of God, a leader. You've got a call in your life to repair and restore the old foundations, to build new patterns. You're called to be a repairer of the breach of many generations. God bless you. I just know that today there'll be people watching and this is really touching you. Why don't you close your eyes where you are and I want to just lead you in a prayer. I want you just to open your heart. Just wherever you are watching right now, I want you to close your eyes, open your heart and open your inner being today. And uh, perhaps for some of you, 
Uh, you've had a wonderful father, a good father, you've been great in your life. Thank God for him and just let go any forms of criticism where he's lacking. And no one's perfect. <laughs> so just honor him. If you've had a father that's been absent, been passive, been abusive, been neglectful, then there's something in your heart you need to let go of. So why don't we reach out to the Lord right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come before you. We recognize, I recognize you are my Father. You are my Heavenly Father. You are my life source. My identity is found in you. Father, you've created me to fulfill a purpose in this life. You've created me to represent you. You've created me for a distinct and unique purpose. I repent, Lord of seeking to find my own way. I repent of running and living a life independent of you. And I come to you and ask for you to forgive me for that independence. Lord, where I have resisted and reacted to a natural father, my natural father, father, in any way that I've resisted, reacted, or dishonored him, I repent of that now. In any place in my heart that I'm carrying wounds that are unresolved, Lord, I bring them to you right now. I release forgiveness. I choose to forgive. I withdraw all judgments I have made. I withdraw all vows I've made that I would not be like him. I withdraw those things and I ask, Lord, you cancel any judgments against me. Lord, I choose to bless and I choose to honor. Lord, as I come before you today, I thank you, Lord, that you are coming to me to heal my heart. I receive your healing into my heart. I receive a freedom from that oppression of rejection. I break my agreement with that orphan spirit. That I break my agreement with that Jezebelic power to resist your fatherhood. And Father, I come to you today. I say, Abba, Father, thank you. I receive your healing. I receive your love. I receive your love into my heart today. Today, I know who I am. I am a child of God. I am a representative of my Father. I am called to represent Him and honor Him in all that I do. I'm called to carry the message of His love to the nation. Lord, today, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.